This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action. I'm Kent Blanford in studio with me, Bridget Eyre. Hello. And we're joined by, um, well, let's put it this way. The cavemen have taken off their animal skins, <laughs> donned their khakis <laughs> and dress shirts. All right. And moved into their other roles, which are pro-life advocates. All right. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Yes, we are talking with the cavemen, uh, also known as Timothy O'Donnell and Mark Tuttle, and they have their different hats on today. They, um, mm-hmm. Timothy O'Donnell is the lead coordinator for the 40 Days for Life here in Indianapolis, and that's our topic today. And Mark Tuttle, as you may or may not know, is the president of Right to Life of Indianapolis. So welcome to Faith in Action, guys. Terrific to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Bridget. It's yes. fun to be in the pseudo cave with the cavemen, so I, I, I love this. I was looking forward to today. It's always Ken, a Ken was about to give us a really disturbing and lasting visual with this. Uh, they're taking their their animal skins off and stuff. I, so I'm glad he, I'm not sure where that was going. but I, I will argue that you can take us out of the cave, but you cannot take the cave out of us. <laughs> right on. That's hilarious. All right. Well, we're, we're talking about 40 Days for Life, and wow, abortion is such a huge topic right now in our culture. Um, mm. And I want to ask you, what is the 40 Days for Life prayer vigil? Start with you, Tim. Sure. Uh, 40 Days for Life is a... Uh, peaceful, prayerful vigil began back in uh, 2004, College Station, Texas, went uh, national 2007. That's when Indianapolis actually joined. And what we do is we really engage in three things, prayer, uh, fasting, and community outreach. And the prayer, the, the primary thing we do with prayer is we actually go to an abortion clinic which here in Indianapolis, the biggest one is Planned Parenthood on Georgetown Road. And we pray in front of that clinic, trying to be a witness to God's love and mercy to convert hearts. And then we engage in fasting because we know when uh, we fast and pray, that sort of like amps it up quite a bit. And then community outreach. So we want to get people involved uh, across the across our community to make abortion really unthinkable obviously praying for the the children that are being targeted for abortion, the mothers that are going to be wounded by abortion, um, fathers with lost fatherhood, but also the the abortion workers. We want to convert them. And I've got some really impressive uh, stats that I'll be willing to share with you here in a little bit. Okay. And Mark Tuttle, uh, tell us a little bit about the mission of Right to Life of Indianapolis and then how you kind of work to maybe promote this event. Right. Well, you know, our our mission is to... uh, to, to proclaim the dignity of every human being from, from conception until natural death. And so we do that through, through a variety of ways. We do partner with, uh, you know, organizations like 40 days for life to help promote those vigils, but more widely we, we work in schools, we work in churches, we work within the, the community, um, in a variety of ways to try to, I guess, add that educational component, um, to promoting the dignity of each individual human life. And, um, and, and ultimately trying to, to make our city a place where abortion is no longer available and no longer even thinkable. So, Tim, tell us, there's already, already we, we talked recently on the phone about this, and mm-hmm. I was really kind of blown away by the impact in terms of numbers of what these prayer vigils do. Well, it's really, God really has multiplied our efforts. 
with 40 Days for Life. Just to give you an idea, um, this fall campaign, so we should have two campaigns, one in the fall, which is going right. on right now. We're about halfway through. Um, it's going to end November 1st. And then uh, we'll do one in the spring, which uh, coincides with Lent, which is wonderful. Um, but there, we're, right now, 40 Days for Life campaigns are active in 63 nations mm. around the world. So I think a lot of times we forget how big this really has been. Yeah, I didn't grown. know that. I did not know that until we talked the other day. Yep, and there's been over a million volunteers. So over a million people have joined us in praying for an end to abortion during 40 Days for Life. I think a couple of the quick things that I think are really remarkable to show the good fruit of these efforts is that there have been over 17,000 saves. So 17,000 children are alive now as a result of 40 Days for Life. Locally, we estimate at least 100. And, th- and these saves are ones that we know of. And there's, I'm sure there's many, many, many times more um, that we're just not aware of where we're, you're standing out there in front of Planned Parenthood. The woman is, is headed that way. To have an abortion, which is typically, she's determined is the best of two bad choices, begging God for a sign not to have it. And there we are, peacefully, prayerfully, usually praying the rosary. And that's the sign that she's looking for. And we are so blessed here in Indianapolis because right next to Planned Parenthood, the biggest killing facility really in the state, is a women's care center. So literally next door, just feet away are the help and resources, love and care that she wants and needs. And it's right there. So we are so blessed, but it's, it's had a huge impact. I'll I'll share a couple other quick things too, such as there have been 107 abortion clinics closed since 40 days for life began and 206 abortion workers have quit their job. Most famously, Abby Johnson, former director and employee of the year of Planned Parenthood, whose biography and turned into a film unplanned, couldn't recommend more for people to not only see, read, uh, but also share with others. I'm curious. Um, we're talking with Timothy O'Donnell and Mark Tuttle. We're talking about 40 Days for Life. Um, why 40 days? You mentioned Lent. I mean, is there some kind of a spiritual tie-in? Who wants to take that one? Sure. Yeah, Tim, uh, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's a it's a faith-based movement or ministry. And so, yes, so we look for guidance from Holy Mother Church and Sacred Scripture. Sacred Scripture has many, many examples of using um, different numbers to signify different meaning. 40 appears in uh, throughout Sacred Scripture. You can think of our Lord's uh, Jesus Christ. 40 days in the desert, where he's being prepared and even tempted by Satan before his public ministry begins. We have uh, Moses spending 40 days uh, on Mount Sinai. So um, uh, plenty of other examples, but God is working miracles in that time frame. So we want to align ourselves and cooperate with God's holy and divine will. So we go out there for 40 days straight. Now, Locally, our campaign is uh, Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then Sundays, noon to 7 p.m. But in other locations, with more participation, and this is a goal of ours, we would love to be 24-7 to be there all night. Um, as a, Again, just to 
just just it, it's a life-changing spiritual experience to go out as part of 40 Days for Life and pray in front of these abortion centers. Well, it seems like the the whole um, pro-life movement has changed quite a bit in the sense of just not just saying, okay, we're pro-life and we pray and all that, but there's a lot of resources behind that these days to really support women like the Gabriel Project. Can, can you, Mark, can you talk a little bit about, and, and Tim, you mentioned the the Women's Care Center, there, there are resources for people who do decide to choose life. It's not just choose life and see you later. Right, it's, more right. like, it's more like we can help. We can point you to these places that can support you through your pregnancy and, and, and beyond. Right. You know, just looking at the immediate pregnancy resources, resource centers like the Women's Care Center, those outnumber the number of abortion clinics in our country now five to one. Oh, I did so not know for, that. So for every abortion clinic, there's five facilities there that are run by pro-lifers that are offering help to women, that are offering help to moms in need um, so that they can have not just a healthy pregnancy, but they're offering parenting resources, they're offering clothes, they're offering diapers, they're offering help to new moms to be able to to raise their, their kids. And I think beyond that, um, you know, one of the, Tim was talking about, you know, the numbers of saves and that how, you know, really that's only the, the tip of the iceberg, you know, underneath that, there's a whole number of men and women who've chosen life because of the successful witness that are now providing for not only their families, but perhaps their grandkids or, or other people because they've seen people standing up, praying, being an example and, and saying, you know, we as a society, we as a culture, we as a city are really better and, and women deserve better than just simply the, the false choice of abortion. And we really love the women too. And, and Tim, I know that um, you have been aware and and even talked about various um, abortion recovery ministries. So we care about the mother too. Can you think of the abortion recovery ministries? There's healing, hidden healing hurts. Yes, that's a that's a fantastic organization locally here. Right? Yeah, Debbie Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, who who has her own, um, uh, I would say, abortion recovery story and healing, and and founded that. And and then also Rachel's Vineyard uh, also is another one that's that's super helpful and yeah there there is help across the board as as Mark was mentioning we we obviously the prime the first and primary goal would be to to come alongside the mother and assist the mother and the father with keeping and raising their child that's number one number two though is is adoption and looking at adoption adoption services. I think we, as a country, we still need a, a lot more reform. Indiana's pretty good, but there's there's more we could be doing there. And then last, and this is something that was just recently highlighted at the annual Celebrate Life dinner that Right to Life of Indianapolis sponsors every year or, or puts on every year, is uh, these uh, is surrender that a mother can uh, in the state of Indiana. We have laws that protect women who need to surrender their newborn child. And so the Knights of Columbus, which are I'm a proud member and um, are super pro-life, are um, raising money and awareness to have these baby boxes um, installed and made available across fire stations primarily because they're, they're staffed 24-7 so that as a last resort, women don't choose abortion and, and don't um, simply, literally throw their babies away and expose them the elements unto death. 
Yeah, we, we talk about building a pro-life culture and, you know, that, that term gets thrown out there and it's kind of nebulous. A lot of people go, well, well what's a, a pro-life culture like? And um, there, there's so many different facets, but I think we were, we're seeing a lot of the fruits from it. Indiana was just awarded a $5 million grant by the federal government because we are number one in adoptions out of our foster care system. Wow. I, I, across the country, Indiana has the best rate of adopting children out of foster care. And, and that's part of building a, a pro-life culture. You know, Indiana is a pro-life state and we, we've, we've done a lot to, to build it. And it's, it's things like our, our safe haven law. It's things like mm-hmm. the, the, the adoptions out of the foster care system. And then it's also the, I think the more visible parts of the pro-life movement, like 40 days for life or the women's care center or, or right to life of Indianapolis. Those are great points. We need to take a break when we come back. We're going to talk about how abortion even got started in this country and then how you can participate in the 40 days for life. So stay tuned for more faith in action. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa... Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a ministry reaching out to central Indiana and beyond. We have information available about what's happening in parishes here in the Hoosier Heartland as well as access to the latest from Rome, plus apologetics and authentic Catholic teaching. We are your source for 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Catholic Radio Indy and CatholicRadioIndy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Kent Blanford's in the studio with me, as well as our guest, Timothy O'Donnell, who is the lead coordinator of the 40 days for life and mark tuttle who's the president of right to life of indianapolis and we're talking about the 40 days for life tim i want to ask you tell us a little bit about the history of abortion how did we how did we become a legalized abortion country i guess i i think the trajectory we could follow trace out would be this um there there's a there was a movement that began in the late 19th century and then into the early part of the 20th century called eugenics. Eugenics is just is basically from two Greek words that mean good birth. So following the, uh, there's a scientific revolution that's enamoring people. There's a lot of advancements, technological advancements like telephones and light bulbs and things like transportation. So Americans, and we, we are very much this day, we love our technology. We love uh, new technology and we get enamored with it. We fall in love with it and we, we, we actually maybe, um, invest, you know, sort of invest it with um, uh, almost like uh, mystical qualities to it. So there's this movement of eugenics, which seeks to simply aid the evolution. Uh, it's a scientific move project that seeks to aid the processes of evolution about how over time evolution w- claims that over time, 
um, organisms, animals, human beings, uh, get better through uh, a contest of survival of the fittest, mutation, and adaptation. There's a discovery about heredity and genes. And so it's thought with the noble purpose of, hey, we have uh, poverty, we people in poverty, we have people with what, what they termed uh, feeble-mindedness, we have criminality and immorality. How do we better society? So the project of human betterment arises. Right, who doesn't want a better society? Well, it's thought that by breeding better human beings, you can eliminate those human beings, stop them from producing so you don't have more human beings because they thought that eugenics uh, claims that people are in poverty, they're sort of destined to be there because of the genes that they inherit from their parents. This is going to give rise to things like forced steril the forced sterilization, which becomes legal practice in, in Indiana, really up until I think the laws are in the books, really as late as 1987. And then you also have, that's going to give rise to birth control. So we want to stop the undesirable from reproducing, breeding, they call it. That's Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. She aligns with eugenics. And, of course, when those things fail, you're going to, when, when someone isn't sterilized, when someone isn't using contraception or contraception fails, you have to have a backup. And the backup is abortion because at the end of the day, you can't have uh, these people reproducing because when they reproduce, this line of thinking goes, this mindset is you're going to have human beings that are destined to be miserable and suffer. And you can even watch on YouTube, in her own words, there's a Margaret Sanger, uh, Margaret Sanger's being interviewed by Chris Wallace. Uh, it's a black and white, and he's actually smoking a cigarette on camera. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's how old that is. But you can hear her, and she's, she's got her own books, and you can do the research. But she founds, the, the, she's the founder in America, really a popularizer of birth control, and this birth control movement, the contraception mindset, is the gateway to abortion. Yeah, I think birth control is sort of the uh, you know that that primordial fruit, so to speak, the original sin. And and Tim's exactly right. I think it came out of the eugenics movement. But once birth control as an idea caught on, what it allowed to happen was the idea of procreating children. And sex became sort of decoupled. And so now you could have recreational sex. And so by the time you get to the 1950s or 1960s, you have the sexual revolution. And you have a complete divorce of the idea of marriage and children. And so with, with this culture of promiscuity, when, when things go awry and you do have children conceived outside of marriage something's going to need to happen. And uh, with, with eugenics in the background, as well as the, the, the failure of, of birth control, I think that's sort of a, you know, unfortunately it's a lethal cocktail that, that leads to an idea of widespread abortion. But the good news is, is the high mark of abortion that we hit in this country was really the early 1990s. I, I always joke, I, I graduated from high school in 1991, and across the board, you look at every social pathology, and it, that, that was the high mark my, my senior year of high school. Just, just about every type of, uh, of deviancy you can imagine American youth engaging in was when I was, when, when I was graduating from high school. But a, a, an abortion is, is not an exception to that. That's about the high watermark of the numbers of abortions. But we have steadily declined 
not only in the abortions, but in the abortion rate, which is, you know, the percentage of women in this country that are choosing abortion, that's now lower than it was when Roe versus Wade was decided in 1973, as is the abortion ratio, which is the, the percentage of pregnant women that are choosing abortion. So we've, we've moved in, in, a, in a way that we are now in a lot of ways a more pro-life society than we were in 1973 when Roe versus Wade was decided. I know there's been a lot of talk about racism in general in our culture and, and then racism as it relates to abortion. Could you shed some light on that in terms of is that a fair statement and, and what is it that meant what's meant by that? Yeah, you know the uh, when you look at the percentages of um, uh, abortions and you break it down by race um, in Indiana, I'm, I'm most familiar with the statistics in Indiana. In Indiana, the percentage of um, the the black population is about 13 percent of our population, but they account for over 30 percent of the abortions. So that means a 30% of the women to whom abortion is, is being, being committed. And, and, you know, I think people get this mixed up. When they, when they look at abortion, they, they kind of think that this is something that, that women choose and, you know, that this, this is something that, that, you know. But more often than not, the reason why a woman has an abortion is because they're pressured or because there's nobody there to support them. Um, you know, when, when a child is conceived, you need both a father and a mother. And when the father completely walks away, and that's what the, the mentality of choice does, is it allows fathers to walk away by saying, oh, you know, you can keep the child or you can have an abortion. It's your choice, but I have nothing to do with it. It really lets sexually irresponsible men off the hook. So the number of black women to whom abortion is being committed on in our society is hugely disproportionate um, to the, the, the black population. And I don't think it, it, it's not an accident. Um, on, the, on the one hand, you, you do, unfortunately, you've got a situation where um, a disproportionate number of black people live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so you've, you've got economic, you know, economic situations, but the abortion industry as well has, I think, in, intentionally put their reproductive health clinics. Um, they've intentionally marketed birth control and therefore intentionally marketed abortion to the black community and to other minority communities. It, it might even be worse than that because I heard Abby Johnson recently talking about it. So yes, African-Americans or the black community is 13% of the overall population. But if you actually look at what she had stated is that if you actually look at African-American women of childbearing years, it's really more like 3% of the population. So you really maybe have 3% of the population having a third having a third of the of the abortion, something like that. Anyway, that was kind of her stat. But anyway, it it's disproportionate. And on one hand, here's the here's sort of the dilemma. On one hand, you'd sit there and say, I think us as pro-lifers would say, well, that's a horrible impact on the African-American community. Um, it was what, Mark, a year or two ago where um, there was a, a national commemoration where 20 million black lives have been lost through abortion in the United States since Roe v. Wade. And that's, uh, you know, that's a huge number. That's a huge loss to any community. But then you couple that with... Um, where they're locating these Planned Parenthoods and abortion clinics to create access, yeah. uh, quote-unquote access. That's the pro-choicers will say, well, these women need access to health care, and that's why we're there. But it's it's a tr I think it's an absolute tragedy. 
And I think it's done on purpose. Yeah. Well, and that's all the more reason why people need to get out to 40 Days for Life. Kent, how much time do we have left? All right. So we got about four minutes left. Um, okay. How can people participate? Well, the best thing to do is to go to 40daysforlife.com website, 40daysforlife.com website. Right there, you'll find all kinds of information about 40 Days for Life, nationally, internationally. Sign up for our email updates. But also, you can drill right down into our local campaign. In that local campaign, you'll find local events, like we recently had an all-night vigil uh, hosted by the uh, Knights of Columbus. The state life director, uh, Larry Kunkel, organized it. We were out there Friday night from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., an all-night vigil. We just had our midpoint rally where we commemorated and paid tribute to four local pro-life warriors that uh, passed on to their eternal reward here over the last year or so. Um, and then uh, you can also find the scheduler on the website. So you can see when other where we have gaps where maybe no one's like signed up. And so fill that in. And then, of course, reach out to me. Uh, my contact information, my, I'd love to hear from you. My cell phone's on there. Call, text, email, and love to get you involved and your organization or parish. And you can pray from home too, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, that's uh, it, yeah. You may not be able to uh, go to the prayer vigil site in front of Planned Parenthood. Uh, actually, the Saint Augustine Home has an organized. Uh, they 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 pray from their uh, location there, the Little Sisters of the Poor. We have a coordinator over there at the Saint Augustine Home that helps their residents uh, pray for us throughout Forty Days for Life. So yes, you if you can go, please show up. If you can't. Just pray and fast. And can you give the website one more time? Sure. It's 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. We've been talking with Timothy O'Donnell, the lead coordinator for the 40 Days for Life here in Indianapolis, and Mark Tuttle, the president of Right to Life of Indianapolis. How has this impacted your faith life? Well, uh, myself personally, um, it's greatly enriched it because... Um, there's something transformative about being there in front of Planned Parenthood with others engaged in this spiritual warfare. You, I, I feel a deep connection with God's will. Um, I feel a, a, a kind of a deep abiding joy that um, I'm standing up for the sanctity of life. I love life. It's God's greatest gift. And I also want to be available uh, to those who are suffering and those who are caught up in this great deception of abortion uh, to be available to them, to lead them out of that darkness. And Mark, for you? You know, I think you can get caught up in the pro-life movement in the, the, the legislature, the, the legislative initiatives, the, the public outreach awareness things, the billboards, the radio ads, all of that that goes on. But ultimately, this is a spiritual battle. And that's what 40 Days for Life brings home, is that the root of the solution to abortion is prayer. It's fasting, it's repentance, and it's really trying to call the whole country to pray for an end to abortion. All right, 40daysforlife.com. God bless. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. 
If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400 or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.